I'm actually making a list of things I need to go back and edit this time so I don't have to ask you, was there anything I had to go back and edit? Welcome back to another week on the D3 Datacast. We're your hosts, Zack Snyder and Matt Snyder. We have a fun show, back by popular demand. It's our Pool C Fantasy Draft. Matt, it's way too early to actually talk about Pool C. We're going to do it anyway. We're going to make a draft, predicting who we think will be the 22 Pool C picks for this year. But before that, we have another action-packed week of Division Three basketball to talk about last week. And uh, Matt, so let's start with who won the week last week for you? I'm just going to take the big and obvious choice, Zach, right off the bat. I'm going to take Guilford with the big win over Hampton Sydney. This was like a top 10 matchup going into the week. We picked it for our D3 Datacast game of the week. Uh, this was at Guilford, and Guilford came away with the big uh, home win. Yes, you did. You were the one that picked it. I was not. Uh, but Guilford's now got that win over Hampton City and uh, a win over Emory. And those are two big wins in Region 6 two big wins nationally. So that's going to, you know, impacting the top 25 poll. But also when we get into February and we're talking about regional rankings and these pool C selections, Guilford having those two big wins, I believe will play a huge factor into it. We know Guilford was kind of left on the table maybe last year. They had a really good team. The computers, the voters were all high on Guilford. They just didn't have the criteria that stacked up. Wins like this going to weigh heavily in Guilford's favor. So I think Guilford won the week with that big win. And I think the voters are going to put them high going into this next week. So for me, I'm going to stick with the same conference I was in last week, and that's the CCIW. I feel like as we're assessing the CCIW race, it's a flavor of the week. This week's flavor was Elmhurst. It was a 90-73 win over Illinois Wesleyan and a 74-69 win at North Park. Matt, we talked about last week how uh, of the perceived contenders in the CCIW, Elmhurst is the one that we didn't really know anything about, but they had the big week coming up with Illinois Wesleyan North Park. They come out of that. 2-0, uh, you know, North Park losers of five in a row as we're recording here. So who knows what to make of that? But, you know, the the preseason expectations, I think, were not unearned or unfair there. Um, so for the time being, hey, we're going to still count that as an impressive win for Elmhurst. Uh, but, you know, I, I think even more impressive was what they did against Illinois Wesleyan uh, to win that 90-73, scoring 61 points in the second half, Matt. Three times already this season, there have been teams that failed to score at least 61 points for an entire game against Illinois Wesleyan, that being Ohio Wesleyan, Wittenberg, and Wash U, right? So we're not talking about, um, you know, some uh, some bottom feeders or some non-D3 competition there. Uh, so very impressive what Elmhurst did. This was really their first opportunity based on the schedule they've had to make their mark. And I think it is job well done by the Elmhurst Blue Jays. Yeah, Elmhurst looks great. I think they look like the top of the CCIW. I think there's going to be some other teams that have something to say in that conference race yet. Uh, time to talk about North Park, like not living up to expectations. I still think they have they have talent on that team. I, like you said, that preseason expectation was deserved for North Park. They just haven't played like it. Uh, I think they just have two wins on the season. Neither of those opponents that they've beaten have beaten another D3 team. So they have not. They have yet to beat a team who's beaten anyone else yet. Uh, so big disappointment so far for North Park. They're going to have to turn it around and turn it around quickly. We're doing a pool C's draft today, but spoiler alert, I don't think any of us are going to pick North Park. They've got a lot of work to do to get in that discussion, like close to running the table. So, um, you know, maybe they'll still have something left to say in the CCIW race, but so far haven't liked what I've seen out of North Park, but you're right. Elm, this is about Elmhurst. Elmhurst has been great. Um, and I think they're the kind of early leaders, not in the clubhouse by any stretch in the CCIW, but one of the early leaders there. 
So in other D3 actions, some things that you and I, Zach, were keeping an eye on this week. Uh, Starting on Tuesday, there was a big matchup because we had a new number one team, and that was UW-Whitewater. On Monday, they were named number one by D3Hoops.com Top 25 poll, and they traveled to Carthage, but it was Carthage that took down that new number one, 77-73, right away on Tuesday. Uh, Whitewater, I think, held a narrow lead at halftime. Carthage kind of took over, took the advantage in the second half and built a big league. I think it was like 17 points or something under 10 minutes to go, maybe eight minutes to go. Uh, Carthage had that big lead, but Whitewater just started chipping away, chipping away, chipping away and took their own lead by one with two minutes left. Uh, but in the end, it was the Firebirds that were able to close it out at home. Uh, Carthage getting the win there by four against UW Whitewater. So new number one and right away, boom, one day later they lose. That's going to throw some uh, some interesting things right in the mix right there. And Matt, also Tuesday, it was a, it was an early start to the week, mm-hmm. right, Matt? We had some, yeah. some big time games to talk about on Tuesday. So Carnegie Mellon beat St. John Fisher 103-92 with Carnegie Mellon leading 51-26 at half. Probably a, a surprising halftime score um, for a lot of people in that. We, Carnegie Mellon's a team we've talked about a few times already just because, uh, the, you know, the depth of the UAA. And this is the team that was picked to finish eighth uh, there at the bottom of that league. But, of course... You know, someone's got to finish at the bottom, and that's such a strong league that um, uh, it really doesn't say anything about the overall quality of that team. So, uh, and, and Carnegie Mellon showing it here with that impressive performance against St. John Fisher. The big-time halftime lead coming out. They led by as many as 31 early on. And, Matt, we also got two highlight dunks out of R.J. Holmes. We added to our collection of D3 dunks on YouTube shorts. We've been having some fun uh, tracking some of the highlight dunks, and we got two out of that game from RJ Holmes, so that was fun. Um, and then maybe you know, so I guess with Carthage playing the the number one, maybe maybe that uh, gets like game of the night billing there on Tuesday. But maybe one of the other ones uh, that could could argue that they were the game of the night there, Matt, was Keen State's win over Albertus Magnus, 94-77 road win against Albertus, Albertus Magnus. Last week, we talked about Albertus Magnus in the mailbag, right, as a potential fringe top 25 team and pointed to this game as one that was really important for voters to see. Um, so in that regards, maybe a, a little bit of a blown opportunity for the Falcons. I don't I don't know. Um, that might be a little bit harsh, uh, but um you know, they'll get another big boy matchup coming up December 30th against Rowan. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was a, it was a close game, real tight, you know, at half into the second half. And then Keaton State kind of took control and was able to extend uh, for that 17 point win. Um, speaking of big boys, Matt, Jeff Hunter, 22 points, 18 rebounds. Not bad, right? Yeah, around here, they call that country strong. Uh, big guy getting big numbers. Good to see. Uh, So, Zach, let's fast forward to Saturday. A couple more games I was keeping an eye on on Saturday. Uh, A game we already talked about, Guilford, Hampton, Sydney, the big uh, 80-71 win for Guilford. This was our game of the week. Uh, Guilford was led in scoring by uh, Rob Littlejohn with 21 points. Uh, Ryan Clements had 20 for Hampton, Sydney. But the story of this game for me was really the offensive rebounding. Uh, When I was watching this game, it just seemed like every opportunity that Guilford had to collect a big offensive board, they found a way to do that. I think they had 17 offensive rebounds. That was nearly 50%. Um, I think they allowed Hampton, Sydney to get 18 defensive rebounds. So they almost got 50-50 on the offensive glass, and that's huge. That led to 19 second-chance points. And with a scoring margin of nine, you know, you can take away half of those second chance opportunities in this game's even or probably swinging back in Hampton Sydney's uh, direction at that point. So uh, Guilford, you know, really impressive, really impressive on the rebounding. I think uh, on that QCast episode with um, 
the two the Hampton Sydney Guilford coaches uh, before I think they pointed to rebounding as a uh, a big key in this game and that I think that ended up being it for me uh, watching Guilford just really control the glass like that that was impressive uh, and another game that stuck out to me on Saturday I did not watch this game but I just checked um, I checked the score because it was the links weren't right there on on d3hoops.com because not all the teams are submitting their links all the time um, or maybe the links were there but the score wasn't updating so I went and checked it just as the game had ended I think it had just ended and Wilmington got an 80-79 victory at Mount Union. Mount Union was ranked number four this last week. Uh, last we had seen Wilmington, they were losing to Calvin and Hope by like 20 and 30 points over in Michigan just last weekend. Then they go on the road and beat Mount Union. That was a huge win. Uh, Wilmington had the five-point lead at halftime. It was close kind of all the way throughout the second half. Mount Union, I think, had maybe their own four or five-point lead with two minutes to go. Uh, but it was a, a, a five-second um you know, nearly a buzzer beater, but five seconds remaining on the clock. Wilmington hits a jumper uh, and takes the lead back, and they're able to win that one-point game. And that's that's going to be a head-scratcher for Mount Union. They've had already maybe lacking some some top wins. So to, to get a, a loss like this is maybe maybe questionable in, in the mind of some voters, uh, maybe me included. Um, so, yeah, that was just a shocker to see that Wilmington was going to knock off a, you know, we saw Mount Union in the final four. We've seen them ranked in the top 10, uh, top five here in the early going. And so for Wilmington to get that road win at Mount Union, um, that, was, that was a big result on Saturday there, there Zach. Yeah, I think with what we've already seen, it's not going to be shocking to see teams take some losses, right? Uh, I, yeah, I, I think yeah. just as I've been watching this early season unfold, to me, like in my mind, like any team that's, maybe even at that like five loss mark is, is doing really well. There's just so much um, parody out there. There's just going to be, you're going to take losses. There's too many good teams. Um, and especially with the type of schedules, we're seeing a lot of top teams play. It's going to happen. The difference is Wilmington is a program trying to, to, you know, get its footing a little bit, raise its profile. It, this isn't the type of game that you, you say, you know, yeah, there's going to be a few of those that pop up. So, um, you know, Wilmington hopes to get there one day. They're not there right now. Like you said, we, we, with what we've seen from their other results, this is a total shocker. Yeah, um, and hey, starting to talk about um, maybe some top 25 results. Why don't we pop over to my ballot here, uh, if you think that's good. Um, and we'll start talking about where I see the top 25 and maybe some of these, like you said, some some parity in Division Three. So um, right here at the top, I'm moving Guilford up to number one. Uh, they have that impressive win over Hampton City. They've already beaten Emory. And you can see those two teams sitting at five and six on my ballot. So I think those are two great wins for Guilford. Uh, and maybe two of the best wins in Division Three right now, and they're undefeated in the ODAC. ODAC's a, t uh, a strong lead, so I'm feeling good about Guilford at number one. Um, Oswego State kind of holding serve there at number two. I would like to see once they play some maybe more difficult competition, but for now I'm going to kind of hold them there. Uh, Calvin moves up a couple slots for me into three, John Carroll four. Uh, I only slid Hampton City down from one to five. I'm not going to punish them too much. Um, you know, they lost by nine. That margin's a little larger than maybe you'd want it to see, but I think they're still a good team. They still have, a, you know, that huge win against Christopher Newport. They still have some other strong results. Um, so not going to punish Hampton City too much. Uh, Emory six, Trinity, Connecticut, who I'm very intrigued by at seven. Case Western Reserve, Keene State, 
uh, at nine. Tufts rounding out the top 10 there. They've looked impressive out of the NESCAC for me. And then moving Trine all the way up to 11, they've had some good results. They beat Heidelberg early in the week. Uh, Trine's looked really good to me. I think they're going to be another strong team in the MIAA, two really good teams in that conference. And then Elmhurst, we talked about Elmhurst big week. I moved them up to number 12. Um, I think they were uh, just outside of the top 25, or they were in the receiving votes category somewhere last week. I would expect maybe voters after that strong week to put them in this week, so we'll probably see the Blue Jays in. Um, then NYU at 13, um, Widener at 14. That's a big jump for me. Um, I was impressed by what I've seen from Widener. I think they're a strong team. Uh, at 15, Trinity, Texas coming into my poll. Uh, Whitewater drops out of my top five and down to 16. Then I got Wash U, WPI, Virginia Wesleyan, Swarthmore, St. Joseph, Connecticut, Illinois College, Catholic at 23. And then Christopher Newport and Randolph-Macon right at the last two spots hanging on there, 24 and 25. So on the heels of the discussion we just had about the Wilmington-Mount Union game, Matt, Notably absent from your list here is Mount Union. You decided to take them completely out of your top 25 for now. Yeah, I didn't quite know what to do with Mount Union. I think it's very reasonable to consider them, you know, somewhere, you know, back half the top 25, 15 on on down. But for me, I started looking at the results and I'm not seeing a good win there. And now I'm seeing a bad loss. Uh, I think Wilmington's outside of the top 100 and I don't know that they have a top 100 win. So for me, you know, I've got a lot of options here as far as, I, you know, I think I got maybe 30 or 40 teams that could be in the top 25. So uh, a team like Mount Union, who, you know, they haven't they haven't shown me what I thought they were going to show me so far this year. I'm going to take a break on them for a week, maybe see see what they come back with. But again, it was just that no good wins, maybe one bad loss. I, and I, I just had other places I wanted to go with my, my ballot. Uh, still teams that are not making this top 25 that I was maybe going to consider above Mount Union. So I just decided to take them off for a week. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the other game we've talked quite a bit about Guilford and Hampton, Sydney, you had Hampton, Sydney, number one last week, I think Guilford was like six or seven for you. So look at the ballot here. It's it's almost like, you know, on the, the result uh, of that game we saw with Guilford beating Hampton, Sydney, they, they kind of switched places uh, for you what was uh, what was going through your mind as you were deciding to put Guilford um, all the way back up uh, to number one there and Hampton, Sydney sliding down um, and just kind of the the way that it works from your previous ballot to this one that they basically flip places. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't think of it exactly like that, like flipping places, but this was a road game for Hampton, Sydney. So Guilford won on the home court. If this was at Hampton, Sydney, I might've dropped them a little bit more. Um, but just looking at, they've already had some, some strong results outside of this loss. Uh, so, so I really felt good about keeping Hampton, Sydney rather high up in my poll. Um, and, so I, I really just didn't feel like, you know, they didn't get completely blown away or anything like that. So I wasn't going to drop them too far by a loss for the team that I, again, feels very comfortable as the best team in the country. Uh, so, so keeping Hampton Sydney around that Emory zone, both of them have losses to Guilford, uh, I think for me felt appropriate at the time. Okay. And then I think the highest team to make a debut spot in this ballot for you, Matt, is Trinity, Texas. You have them at 15. Um, I, they've been one of the teams I've kind of had my eye on. I think they've been, I know they'd started getting some, some votes last week. Uh, but still, I, I thought that they were one of the more underrated teams in the early going here. Um, and, uh, so just your thoughts on, on Trinity as it pertains to top 25 voting. 
yeah, Trinity looking really strong and really well positioned in Region 10 as well. I know that's not exactly the same uh, conversation, but they had a win over uh, Mary Harden Baylor, a bit like a 19 point win over Mary Harden Baylor this week. Uh, they've already beaten Claremont Mud Scripps by 10. Um, they have a win over Whitman's. They've beaten kind of all of the conferences in Region 10, uh, strong teams in those conferences. They're going to have two games against St. Thomas already, but, you know, already beaten those teams, already beaten Harden Simmons, um, Texas Lutheran Southwestern this past week. They just have looked really strong. They've put up fairly strong margins in a lot of these games um, with some of the other teams in Texas and in Region 10 taking losses. I think they've emerged at least as an early favorite in that in that um, in that region of the country. Uh, in in Texas in particular, I think so far with those wins, uh, UMHB in particular, I think they've kind of established themselves as maybe maybe the top team in Texas. They'll have to contend with St. Thomas in, in conference as well a couple of times going forward. But so far, Trinity Texas really like their results uh, in this early season. And then the last team I wanted to ask you about here, Matt, is Catholic. You have you've had them in your ballot previously. They fell out of your ballot now back in. You know, was there something about their week beating Elizabethtown and Wilkes, who was previously five and O, that made you put them back in, or is it more about what's happening around it? Because it seems like there's a whole bunch of recycling and cycling, right? It seems like every yeah. time it feels like someone has a good week, they have a bad week, and and there's just sort of the spin cycle going here from you know probably the last ten spots down to you know maybe forty or fifty teams deep. Yeah, Catholic's been kind of in and out yo-yoing for me, not. You know, and it's even it's it's hard to say. It wasn't really for me their week this last week so much, although they did put up big margins, as you said, against Elizabethtown and Wilkes. But I think now, you know, I'm getting a little bit higher on Stevens and Mary Washington, who they beat in week one. Um, so I think those wins to me look a little bit better. So it's it's kind of hard. I'm not I don't always so much take my ballot from the last week and then say team one lost, so I'll move them down and team B or whatever the example is, won and moved them up. I'm just, I'm kind of in a large, to a large extent, trying to reassess fresh and reassess all of the wins and losses. Uh, and it just kind of happened this week that Catholic kind of came just right above the line. Um, again, there's other teams just on the other side of my line uh, this week, like Coe and Dubuque and UW Platteville and even Mount Union that are kind of in this mix as well that I could have put into this spot. Uh, but for me, it just kind of felt like, felt like Catholic. Their, their results were maybe a little bit stronger than some of these other teams uh, at the moment right now. Um, and, and, and you know, it, it's more than just like wins and losses, too. It's some of these scoring margins in games, and I look at the computer ratings and things like that, too. So uh, it, it, for Catholic, it wasn't so much like, oh, this week they had a great week, so I'm going to put them back in. It's more of a full body of work, just felt like they kind of were lifted just above that top 25 this week, whereas last week I had them kind of just on the other side of the top 25. Um, maybe a little, maybe a little bit hard to articulate it uh, in this context right now. No, that's good. I mean, it's more about the the whole picture and every you know every team that's you know on your radar or on your watch list, so to speak, and uh, the the building totality of work as opposed to just reacting to what happened you know in the seven days since you created your last ballot. Yeah, and this week I was ranking all the way out to forty six in my own personal ballot. Um, so I've got a lot of teams in the mix and. Pretty much all of those teams, uh, maybe not the last four or five, but pretty much all of those, I would be just fine giving a, a a spot in my ballot somewhere, you know, between 20 and 25. There's just that many teams that are so even. You mentioned parity. We're going to see a bunch of these teams in and out as, as teams lose to each other. Um, so I think the rest of the season, every week, there's going to be there's going to be a bunch of cycling and recycling just because of, of that kind of nature of the um, of the landscape in Division Three this year. 
All right, should we move on to our main event? Let's do it. We, we had that fun episode early on where we already picked the conference champions. So, so everyone out there in TV land knows who's going to win the conference championships. And, and today, yeah, we're gonna, at, least, at least the teams that I picked. Well, I mean, I can't speak for the others in our contest. I think, but. I think the, in totality, we got them all correct. And so today we're going to pick the at-large. So we're going to have, you know, we, it wasn't quite the pool A's last time because it was regular season champions. But pretty much, you know, after today, we're going to know the entire per, uh, tournament picture. So uh, let's go take a look at that. Um, and as a reminder, last year, Zach, I, I think you needed a reminder of this. Uh, you won. You won last year. You got 21 points. I only had 19 points. Um, looks like my I remember, problem. I remember very well. My problem was I picked too many teams that ended up winning their pool A. I had, you know, Swarthmore, Scranton, Widener, Rowan. Uh, if we had flipped maybe that Johns Hopkins Swarthmore Centennial Conference Championship, then I would have won. Um, so just you you should have just had better foresight. Actually, and I'd like to also not, point out I would have had what eighteen. I would have had twenty one. Oh yeah, I would have had twenty one. You would have had nineteen. So yeah, we would just would have flipped. You know, I'm proud to have won last year's Pool C Fantasy Draft contest, Matt. But I think I'm more proud to to serve as inspiration for every Q line underdog out there, because not only did I just beat you head to head, but I, I overcame the Q line. I outperformed and uh, got the dub. Yeah. The early Q line the next day was Matt 22, Zach 18. And you can see, you can see we flipped that score uh, and, and some a little bit there. So, so congrats to you. So because of that, I get the first pick this year. And so just to remind everyone what we're doing, we're doing a Pool C Fantasy Draft. Each of us picks 11 teams that we think will get an at-large berth, a Pool C berth, into the tournament this year. Um, you pick 11, I'll pick 11. That'll be 22 teams. Last year, we only had 20 Pool C spots. We have two extra this year, so there'll be 22. Um, after round 10, I think we'll snake. And so we can kind of make up for the fact that you know someone got a first pick. And we will award three points for a correct Pool C pick. One point if your pick ended up winning their tournament, getting into the pool A, um, and that's how we will score it. Any questions, Zach? I'm familiar with the rules. However, Matt, I spent uh, the weekend as a as a leader on our church pre-teen retreat, so I'm a little bit more prepared for a what's that smell contest <laughs> than our draft, but I, I have a list here in front of me. I'm ready to go. All right. I'm going to go back to our two box. Zach's going to keep track of our picks in the background. And then at the end of the draft, we will throw up the screen of what our picks ended up being. Uh, let us know in the comments below on YouTube uh, who had the best picks, which picks you agree with, which, which picks we miss, missed that you think will definitely be pool C's. So let us know what we got wrong or what we got right below. Um, I believe it is my pick first, Zach. So is there any further ado we need to ado? Uh, no, I, I do recall last year, even though I did end up winning, you used your first pick on the team that I would have picked with my first pick. Okay. So I'm sure you're about to do that again. Let's go. All right. So in the first pick of the pool C draft, I'm going to go to the NESCAC and I'm going to go with Tufts. <laughs> Is that your pick? Uh, yep. What about <laughs> two years in a row? Like I said, I see, I know what's coming. All right. Okay. Um, I will, I will uh, avenge last year's failed first pick and uh, take the team I tried to take first last year, and that is Emery. Okay, you are going right down the same board as me. Um, I am going to pick. Ooh. 
This is tough. See, I make a list, and then at the last minute, I decide, do I change the order or not? Um, I'm going to go Mary Washington, Coast to Coast Conference. Okay. Um, okay. Well, I will use my second pick, fourth overall, to get my NESCAC. And my next team on the board there for me is Trinity, Connecticut. Oh, okay. Trinity. Yep. They've had a great start to the year. They have. Okay. I am going to uh, stick around in our neck of the woods. Um, the only the only men's basketball team not in Michigan in the Michigan Intercollegiate Athletic Association. I'm going to pick Trine with my third pick. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, okay, Matt, I am going to go with one of the teams we've talked about a bunch today and your new number one, Guilford. Ooh, Guilford, okay. Yes. Find them on my list. <clears throat> okay, um, I'm going to go a team that jumped into my top 25 ballot this week, um, and I'm going to pick Widener, Widener with a pool C spot. I like it. Uh, they were definitely on my list here. Okay, Matt, I'm gonna I'm gonna double up here. You know, Guilford. Maybe they're the Odak favorites now, uh, but I think that's a deep enough league that there's a chance that uh, you know a favorite doesn't win the league. And between the two, I'm feeling very good about getting both in one way or another. I'm gonna go with Hampton Sydney. Good pick. Good pick. I think for the most part, we're showing similar strategies uh, here. Uh, I'm going to go out to the American Rivers, and I'm going to go with Dubuque for my pick. Okay, I like it. Yeah, they're further down my list, but they were surprisingly strong. Uh, I like it. Okay, Matt, I got uh, Emery with the first pick. I'm going to go back to the UAA well here with NYU. Ooh. Got to see if my list goes that far down. Oh, it's like fantasy draft smack talk off the board for me. Okay. Um, no, that's, that's a good pick though. That makes sense. Uh, this is where we snake. Is it not? Oh, it is. Yes. So I get the next pick as well. This is the 11th pick. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with my third UAA and go with case Western reserve. Okay. Okay. Definitely on my board. Definitely on my board coming up. Um, Zach, you've been strong in the ODAC, but I'm going to jump into the ODAC here for Virginia Wesleyan. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. I'm going to make my first WIAC play here, Matt, and I'm actually going to go UW Platteville. That was the one I thought you were going to go with because they were next on my board. There you go. Loving it. All right, I'm going to go down to Ohio, uh, Ohio Athletic Conference, and I am picking John Carroll. Just happened to be next on my board as well. Okay, um, boy. I am going to go... All right, I feel like I feel like this is a pick... Our friend Mike Rainiak can get behind. I'm going to go Hobart. Oh, okay. That is not a bad pick. Not a bad pick at all. All right. Let's see. I have a couple different directions I could go with this. Um, 
You know, a team we talked about on my top 25 ballot, a yo-yo in and out team. I'm going to go to the landmark conference with Catholic. Okay, Catholic. You got it. Um... Boy, this is where I really... Do I go deep into a conference I'm already pretty deep in, or do I try to mix it up? Okay, uh, I'm going to... I'm going to... I'm going to try to mix it up here, Matt. Give me Rowan. Oh, okay. Definitely still on my board there. All right. Um, let's see. Have I made a UAA pick yet? I feel like I need a UAA. You've gone deep into the UAA. You have so, not. Um, you know, that conference is tough. We've got to get enough wins, but I think Wash U. I think Wash U's got a good chance there. Okay, yep. All right, let's go one. Let's go one more in the ODAC. Randolph Macon. Randolph Macon. Also heard Molly barking in the background. Zach dog sitting. Got a little Molly action there. All right, I have two picks left. Who? All right, um, dipping back into the American Rivers Conference with Co. The Cohawks. Co, you got it. Okay, Matt, I'm going to make my one region 10 play with Pomona Pitzer. Okay. Just off my board, but not entirely. Um, And, man, this is the last pick. Wow. All right, well... Man, gee whiz. A lot of interesting picks here. A lot of interesting picks here. Um, I'm going to go... I'm going to go to the OAC again, and I'm going to pick Mount Union. I'm going to pick Mount Union, getting in Pool C. There we go. All right. So I like I will, that as the last pick. Yeah, I mean, I, I took them off my top 25 this week, but, you know, they could definitely be in the mix there as well. So let me bring back let me bring back our slide here. I think it's fully filled out. So these are the picks we went with. Um, Zach, anyone who was still on your board, two or three or four teams that were still on your board that you didn't pick because I was off your board? Um, none that I was like really hoping to get, um, kind of left at the top of my board here, Matt is Calvin. Uh, I, you know, I think they're going to be able to build a strong resume and then it looks like the top of the league is strong enough where maybe they'll need that pool C. Um, I also had Williams, but I was feeling better about some of the other Nescax at this point. Um, and I think I was getting deeper in the list where I've wasn't going to need as many teams, but I also had uh, Swarthmore. Um, mm -hmm. Again, I think just in terms of, I think it's a tournament team. Maybe they get the A, but you know, in the Centennial, I could see something happening where they and uh, need end up needing the pool C. So that those those kind of things were my thought process as I was uh, getting to the later part of the 
my rankings here. Um, but what about you? Yeah, I had four teams left on my board. Uh, I had Illinois Wesleyan. I think they're maybe the strongest CCIW Pool C contender or one of the strongest um, Pool C contenders. That, that league is going to have some trouble with strength of schedule, um, but the Titans are one of the teams that probably will not have difficulty with strength of schedule. So if they can win enough games in that league, I think they're in Pool C mix. Um, I also had Calvin on my board. Uh, I think you're right. I think the MIAA has won enough games out of conference so far that it's looking like we're going to have um, Pool C chances. I took like I took Trine ahead um, kind of early on. I think that they look good for maybe a Pool C bit out of the MIAA. Um, I had, oh, you had picked Williams, didn't you? Did you pick Williams? No, you didn't pick Williams. You I picked, did not. You picked Williams last year. I um, last year make sure you're looking at the right board here yes Matthew. uh i had williams on my board i think that they're a nescac that can can be in that mix for sure um and then i had stevens um i'm projecting stevens to probably be a strong enough strength to schedule to be in that mix and, and you know they could win 85 to 90 percent of their games i think they look strong they were a team uh, that i was maybe starting to consider for some some top 25 um here so uh stevens made my board um as well uh, and then also looking at maybe teams like hope like is the miaa maybe a three-bid league this year i think there's worlds in which that exists um surprisingly and matt we should mention here a little plug for some of the resources available on d3datacast.com we were not flying completely blind as we were putting our list together here uh of course there's the efficiency ratings that are available there but also the ncaa regional ranking and selection criteria uh, that's available daily uh, as like an up-to-date number, but then also projected for end of this end of regular season. Doesn't include any projected conference tournament matchups. And Matt, I don't know about you, but I was relying heavily on those projected numbers and I was trying to actually skew it a little bit more towards teams that had strong projected SOS numbers, just based on kind of what we saw during regional ranking and selection time a year ago. Yeah, I think that was... One thing I did better this year is when in doubt, definitely pick the strength of schedule because those are the teams that have a chance. You can you can control if you win or lose a game, right? But you can't w- control whether the rest of the teams on your schedule win or lose their game. So maybe you can go on a run and, and improve your winning percentage, but you can't really go on a run to improve your SOS. you got to have lots of help from your conference mates in particular and others around you. So I think, I think you were right to skew your SOS, and I did a lot of the same as well. Right. And speaking of speaking of needing some help, Matt, let's go look at our picks from last week. At least it's it's concerns you. Uh, our pick slate got started off with a an important Region Seven game. Trine uh, was getting a point and a half at Heidelberg. Trine got the eighty two seventy two win. Matt, we both had uh, Trine in that one. Widener plus three at DeSales. Matt, I went with Widener. You had DeSales. It was Widener, not even needing the three points. They got the straight up. 92-77 win. Oneonta was at Brockport getting seven, and it was Brockport getting the 87-76 win. They cover the seven points. Matt, we both lose that one. Uh, Illinois College was four-and-a-half-point favorites at Ripon. We both were feeling good about the Blue Boys, and we were rewarded with a point there as Illinois College got the 72-62 win. And, Matt, let's talk about it one more time because I'm not sure we've talked about this game enough. hampton Sydney was getting one on the road at Guilford. And of course it was an 80 to 71 win for Guilford. Matt, that was another point for me. I was four and one last week, 12 and eight overall. Now, Matt, you were a disappointing 12 and three struggling to reach for 500. Now nine and 11 overall. 
Yeah, last year it was you chasing me all season long, and this week I've kind of gotten myself in a little bit of a hole here, so I'm going to have to catch up. I'm going to start this week and try to reel you back in a little bit. Okay, Zach, taking a look at this week's slate. We have five new games for us here. I'll go through them, and then we'll pick them one by one. The first game is UW-Whitewater, plus a half a point at Hope. The second game is Cal Lutheran getting two or giving two points to Claremont Mud Scripps. We have Hampton Sydney getting five and a half points at Randolph Macon. We have Clark uh, even Pickham at Salve Regina, and our D three Datacast game of the week this week is Tufts plus two points at Keene State. So starting at the top, Zach, UW Whitewater and Hope. What is your pick in this game? Yeah, just a half a point uh, might be a little bit surprising. I'm going to take Whitewater. All right. Um, I'm going to go uh, the opposite direction. I'm going to go Dutchman at home. They need a big win, and I think this is maybe a signature win for them early. It will also help our conference out greatly. Game number two, Zach, go for it. All right. Um, Yeah, I think CMS is one of the – disappointing teams of the season so far and Cal Lou I think is replacing Trinity as my uh, team to watch kind of underrated team because I expect that Trinity will get ranked this uh, this week so um, you know it might be going against you know initial gut feel but when I look at what's happened this year I'm gonna give the two and go Cal Lou all right, I'm going to disagree with you again, Zach. Uh, I, I agree, Claremont Mudscripts needs to kind of get off the schneid here and be the team we kind of thought they were going to be. Uh, but getting two points at home, I think this is their opportunity to do just that. All right, going to the ODAC, Hampton City and Randolph-Macon. Yeah, for me, the five and a half is just too big of a number here. Uh, we've talked before uh, a couple weeks ago, I think Randolph-Macon seems to be still figuring things out offensively. Uh, the defense is still there. You know, Randolph Macon, you can always count on to be really good defensively. So they tend to play lower scoring games. You know, that five and a half looks big no matter what. But, you know, when you're playing games like in the 50s, that's that feels even bigger. Give me Hampton Sydney. Yeah, I think the computer here just giving too uh, big of a line here for Randolph Macon, uh, getting five points for Hampton Sydney. Like you said, with maybe some of the offensive struggles that Randolph Macon is having, Hampton Sydney hits like a couple of three pointers. Is that game all of a sudden out of reach? Um, especially now getting five points beyond that. Uh, so I'm going to take Hampton Sydney as well. Uh, Clark and Selvi Regina. I'm feeling good about Clark here, Matt. On uh, the even matchup, give me Clark. Yeah, I'm definitely intrigued about what Clark's doing out there in Region 2 this year. Uh, I think this one being an even pick even on the road, I am also taking the Clark Cougars. They're the Cougars, right? Okay. Game of the week, Zachary. Yeah, I'm going to go with Tufts on this one, Matt, but th- this matchup is giving me uh, visions of that that big game last year we saw at Keene State when Middlebury came to town. It was a raucous environment, packed gym, big-time atmosphere. Um, so Tufts better be ready to play because Keene State is obviously a good team, and that environment, I think, probably for this one with another Nescat coming to town, will be uh, lit, as they say. Yeah, I didn't entirely but think about Tufts. that, but you are right. Um, when just watching games on stream, I think there are very few gyms the last couple of years that have put out as great of an environment as Keene State has for some of these big, big games. Um, and, and they could, they could turn out again. Uh, so that would be a, a, a fun game to watch. Um, 
I'm also going to take Tufts, though. They've been a team that's been rocketing up my top 25 ballot. Um, I know this is on the road, but getting two points, you know, I can see them maybe winning this game outright even. So uh, give me the two points, and I will take the Jumbos. So after we had disagreed on the first two, we ended up agreeing on three more. So I only can make up a couple games on you, Zach. So we'll see how that one goes. I like the left side of that slate. Yeah, you did. You were all road. You're road heavy this week. Road Warriors. That sounds like a recipe for disaster. <laughs> Could be. We'll see. All right, to the mailbag. All right, mailbag. All right, first one here from Todd Clevenger. Question for next week. How many voters and location of the voters for top 25 poll? Matt, this is a good one to to go over because, um, you know, every year there's, there's you know, people who don't really know maybe how the, how the, the whole thing works. As the uh, resident voter here on this here D3 Hoops YouTube show, would you like to uh, do the honors? Yeah, so this is just published on D3Hoops.com. Um, they're, they're in charge of the top 25 poll. But as they say, the, the top 25 is voted on by a panel of 25 coaches, sports information directors, media members from across the country, published weekly. And then points are awarded. Each ballot gets 25 points for the first place, then 24 to the second place, et cetera, et cetera. So 625 total points because there are 25 voters. Zach, I think we know who 10 of them are because those people have said so. There's not just like a published list um, of the of the of the voter rolls. Um, individuals have to make themselves public. So we know Tim Calderwood, um, Dave McHugh, Jay Murray, Akiva Poppers, Bob Quillman, Mike Raniak, Ryan Scott, myself, um, Ira Thor, and Ryan Whitnable. These folks have all said that they vote and either occasionally put their ballots out on Twitter or on a blog or, or whatnot. Um, we also think maybe probably Pat Coleman of D3Hoops.com has a top 25 vote. I think he's mentioned it on the football podcast that he votes there. I assume he does on basketball as well, although I don't – I haven't maybe confirmed that with him, but I'm assuming he does as well. Um, and then I think they spread these out around the country – to some degree, like Mike Raniak is in probably like New York State, or at least he used to be there at some point. Ryan Scott's in Delaware. I'm in Michigan. Um, Ira Thor, I think, is in New Jersey. Ryan Whitnable's in Ohio. Bob Quillman is in Texas, but follows like the CCIW heavily. Um, Akiva Poppers is in New York City uh, area. Jay Murray's in St. Louis. Dave McHugh's in Baltimore. Uh, and Tim Calderwood is in Wisconsin. Is that where he is? SID at Benedictine. Oh, Benedictine. Okay, so Illinois. So yeah. Um, so they're kind of spread out. Um, and again, that's like 10 people. So there's 15 other people who are, you know, in that list, coaches or media members or sports information directors, and they're probably similarly spread out as well. So that's kind of where the votes are coming from. Um, get different, different mix of different regions and flavors uh, and, and things of the like. Typically, it's the coaches or people more directly involved with a particular school that remain non-public with their vote, yeah. and 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 since the list isn't published, that means we don't know who they are. Yeah, so and that, that makes the, some the, sense. Yeah, too, you right? mentioned. Yeah, sure. I I can appreciate that there are reasons why they may not want to publicize uh, their ballot, especially. Um, yeah. But yeah, so like you said, th this list is at least people who have on occasion made their ballot public. For sure. Next question. Next question comes from Anonymous. How do we see the, uh, how do the numbers see the ARC as a multi-bid league? Or for that matter, the CCIW and WIAC. The WIAC has had a solid start, 
but will their future resumes improve through intra-conference that much that ARC will be single-bid league? Matt, we uh, gave a plug for the projected data already on d3datacast.com, and I imagine you have an answer worked up here that will be based on that. Yeah, so just first off, before we jump in, the number one thing that a conference can do to be a multi-bit league is win your non-conference games. So if you have a good non-conference record as a conference, then all of your conference games where you probably play like a double round robin or something like that, you're getting more wins than you are losses in your opponent's winning percentage and opponent's opponent's winning percentages and the like. So if you win a lot of games as a conference, um, that's going to help you in in your pursuit of a multi-bit league. So the American Rivers Conference has so far done great. Um in their non-conference game. So just these three leagues, by the Massey ratings, they have just like a conference win-loss, which will include some like non-division three games, which aren't officially counted. But directionally, these numbers will, will, will be, be what they are, right? So American Rivers Conference, 32 and 14 non-conference. That's outstanding. The WIAC is 33 and 22. That's pretty good. The CCIW is uncharacteristically like 25 and 25. So just kind of more 500. So the farther you are above 500 as a league, um, that will tend to make your strength of schedule uh, higher. And then if you're a contender, then you want to also be playing other strong teams as well. So if, you're, if your bottom teams can win games and then the contenders can win those games and beat other top contenders, then you're, you're looking good. So um, like you said, going to d3datacast.com, I have some screenshots here. This is Region 9. I hope it shows up on your screen okay. But I just kind of highlighted some, some American Rivers teams and some WIAC teams in region nine. And then over on the right-hand side are those projected numbers we've been talking about. Um, so the red boxes are American Rivers and the purple boxes are WIAC. So just some of the strong, the top teams maybe here, uh, like Dubuque, they're projected 553 SOS. That number will play just fine if you can get like a 750 or above winning percentage. So Dubuque looks good. We picked them as a pool C team, right? They look great. Um, Co similarly, 546 projected SOS. Uh, and an 800 winning percentage. If you can get that with that, like 750 or above, I think you're sitting very, very pretty. Um, Nebraska Wesleyan, the 520 SOS might be a little bit more marginal, so maybe they're not necessarily in line there, but kind of that's one of the lower SOSs we see here in the in the top half of the league maybe. Um, and then Central, a 561 SOS. Like if they can get that above 700, they might be in the mix for, or sorry, if they can get their winning percentage above 700, they can be in the mix for Pool C as well. Um, so American Rivers looking very good there. Um, and I should say the projected numbers, how that works is um, I take a look at all future games on a team's schedule and all the games that they've played in the past. Um, for future games, I use my efficiency ratings to project a likelihood that a team will win any given matchup. So it might be a 75% chance that they get a win. Um, so I will give them 0.75 wins for that game. And then so for every team's future schedule, all of those fractional wins and losses get added up. And then it kind of computes strength of schedules. So it's not a true simulation, um, but it is sort of a projection given team strength. And it gives a pretty good look at where strength of schedules could line up. Now, we still have time here in December, especially a lot of teams playing non-conference games. If you win more than maybe the projections expect you, then your conference SOS should probably rise or, or your member conferences SOS should rise. If your conference starts to lose more games than projected, then you'll probably see those teams in that conference, see those SOSs start to shrink. Um, so I think the American River is looking great. They're winning a lot of games out of conference. They're putting themselves in the position that their strength of schedules are in line for pool C bids should they win enough games. Um, the WIAC is 
fairly similar, maybe not quite to the same level. You can see UW Platteville there, the first purple box, a 585 projected strength of the schedule of the Zach, I believe you picked them. Uh, they're definitely the WIAC team, I think, looking the best for Pool C because of that region, uh, because of that reason. Um, all the way at the bottom, UW Oshkosh, 547. That's a very strong um, SOS. If they can win enough games, get that kind of above 700 winning percentage, 750 winning percentage, I think UW Oshkosh will be in the Pool C discussion as well. Um, UW Whitewater in the middle, they might have some trouble um, only projecting a 513 SOS for them right now. That's that's fairly marginal when it comes to a Pool C discussion. So they're going to either want to have a lot of regionally ranked wins on their resume. They're going to want to have their winning percentage to be like 850 or higher to kind of be in play for that number. So Whitewater could have some trouble with that SOS uh, if they don't get that winning percentage up to a high to elite number right there. So that's that's to me how the ARC and the WIAC are looking. Um, and because they've mostly taken care of business outside of conference, that sets up their conference mates to be in the pool C mix. Um, the next picture I have here is the CCIW. For me, this conference is weaker. This There's a world in which the CCIW is a one bid conference and that almost never happens. They're usually like, how many CCRWs are getting in? Is it like two, is it three, is it four? Um, I think probably maybe two this year still, but it could only be one. Um, Elmhurst, we think was one of the top teams. Their projected SOS is only 500 and we have not seen 500 be of really a pool C viable resume very much at all. Um, you know, maybe if they, their, their projected winning percentage is like 860, if they get that 900 or higher, we'll, we'll see. Right. Um, but that, that could be troublesome for them. Um, Illinois Wesleyan was the team I mentioned being pool C viable there. 537, I think looks fairly good. Um, could be stronger, but I think that looks fairly playable. They'll want to win enough games to, to make that playable, but I think they look okay there. And then toward the bottom, we have Carthage and I pulled out North Park as well. 508 and 517, again, kind of just marginal numbers. They're gonna have to win a lot of games to be in play with those numbers. Um, and that's a tough league, so it's tough to win enough games to to really be in that mix. So the CCIW, they've already started conference play, but I'm I'm sure there's lots more non-conference games to go. They're going to want to see their conference mates win a lot of those games. Otherwise, we're going to have really, really uh, a lot of difficulty finding a pool C bid out of the CCIW, I think. That was kind of a lot. Okay, I'm sorry. You're gonna have to say that again, Zach. It was it was a lot, but it was excellent, and it will be fun to follow as the projections get turned into actual results. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely, still a lot of time for those projections to move. So they're not set in stone, but they're 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 directional, and every day. Get, they get closer and closer to being what they're going to be. Once teams are are fully in conference play, that number doesn't move a whole lot, I don't think. So it's really these non-conference games that can really lever those SOSs up and down. All right. All right. I believe we have one more mailbag question here, Matt, from Tom Snyder. Maybe you've heard of him. How would you power rank the teams that are still undefeated? Yeah, this is an interesting question because some there's some undefeated teams that are not getting top 25 uh, love right now just because maybe they haven't played very many other good teams. So I just did a very quick, quick power ranking of my um, top tw or my undefeated power rankings. Right. So um, one through 11 on this list, I think were teams that made the top 25. So like Guilford, Oswego, Calvin, John Carroll, Trinity, Case, Tufts, Trine, Elmhurst. 
other Trinity <laughs> and Illinois College were in my top 25. They're all undefeated. So that's my top 11 undefeated teams. Um, Dubuque was just off my top 25. Pomona Pitzer is actually still just off my top 25. They're in the mix as well. A team like Hope and Hobart, I think we're maybe in that mix where you could consider ranking them in the near future if their um, results continue to be strong. They're also undefeated. And then we have teams like Franklin and Marshall, Shenandoah, um, Northwestern Minnesota, and Concordia Moorhead. Maybe even throw Drew Farum and Husson in the mix. Like Just kind of like that next tier of we're going to need to see some some stronger results against some top teams to maybe consider them, but they're all still undefeated. We've got Pacific Lutheran. We've got Occidental. We have Asbury, um, who is in their final year of Division Three provisional membership. And then we have Cairn and we have St. Vincent's. We have 27 undefeated teams. This is how I rank them. And to be honest, I leaned heavily on my computer efficiency ratings to give you the kind of the back half of this list outside of my top 25. I didn't really comb through the resumes too much myself to place them in exact order. So feel free to get disagree. If you want to make your own top undefeated team power rankings in the comments below, or tell me which of these teams, um, maybe like 13 through 27 that I'm sleeping on here. Uh, I'd be happy to maybe deep dive on my own time to some of these teams as well. But those are the, that's the undefeated landscape here in division three. And thus wraps up this week's mailbag. If you have something that you would like for us to address in next week's mailbag, you can leave it as a comment on YouTube. We'll find it there, or you can hit us up on any of our social media channels. Let us know you've got a mailbag item and we will add it to the list at the end of next week. All right, Matt, let's end this episode as we do with every other episode with a big thank you to those of uh, our listeners who have decided to support us on Patreon. We couldn't do what we do without their support. Uh, they help make d3datacast.com available and accessible to all with no ads, no paywalls. And uh, yeah, we, we certainly appreciate their ongoing support. If you'd like to join us on uh, Patreon, go to patreon.com slash d3datacast. We have two different tiers. We have a $3 tier and a $5 tier, the good job and the great job team tiers. If you would like to participate with us, that would be great. That would be wonderful. Uh, if you cannot afford to subscribe to the Patreon, we totally understand. If you could like the show, if you could subscribe to the show, give the thumbs up to the episode, those kind of things help us out. If you could also share the show with another Division Three fan you might know, uh, someone who might be interested, that is great as well. Uh, we just love the Division Three conversation. We love those who have um, decided to participate with it with us in that by commenting, by viewing, by joining us on Patreon. All those things are great. So thank you all so much. Uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. And with that, we'd like to say, good job, team. Good job, team.